Music has an incredible ability to proclaim the soul's language beyond what mere words can speak. That is what we seek as we invite our guests to share their song of the soul. Be it joy and laughter, sorrow and tears, awe and insight, or deepest devotion, as we visit and listen, we are all part of a spiritual voyage called Song of the Soul. Jessica Smucker is today's Song of the Soul guest, and she believes the best way to change the world is to channel our pain into connection. Jessica is one very captivating person, both musically and otherwise. She's worked on movies, is a published poet and a social justice warrior, came into music through a rock band called The Sleeping World, and she knows all the two-letter words in Scrabble, so don't even think of challenging her. Raised Mennonite from Amish grandparents, she's been enriched by and moved beyond them to her own path. She's so interesting that I had to take a lot of really wonderful excerpts out in order to fit in the 55-minute broadcast, but the uncut version and the excerpts I've removed are on northernspiritradio.org, and you'll be sorry if you don't listen to them. Who knew, for example, that kids could prefer stuffies of human organs to stuffed dinosaurs? or why Smucker is such a good name. But right now, let's join Jessica Smucker on Zoom from Lancaster, PA. Jessica, how wonderful to have you here today for Song of the Soul. It's great to be here. Do you have much in the way of free days these days? I mean, you've got your two kids, but maybe they're gone enough of the day that you're freed up? They are newly back in school. And they're in kindergarten and second grade. So I have a kindergartner who just does half days. So I at least have three hours in the morning that I can devote to whatever I want. And he plays pretty independently in the afternoon. So I am involved in a lot of activities, a lot of different things. So I feel like I'm always busy. But technically, yeah, I'm starting to have some time free up. Well, what I want to do is start off with some of your music right away, because I think we'll fill in the story really well. I do have a sense that the songs you selected will tell people quite a bit about this journey that gets you from the Jessica Smucker, who was supposed to be quiet, according to her brothers, <laughs> to being a writer, to working on films, to becoming a successful performer. So what do you want to start out with? Let's start with the C. And Lancaster is where you grew up, right? Yes. <laughs> and so how far is the sea from you? It's about three, three to four hours to the ocean, depending which way we go. So do you have much of a long-term connection with the sea? Or is this only a metaphorical sea we're talking about? It's a metaphorical sea, but I definitely have had enough of a relationship with the ocean to have a lot of reflections on it. So it's not one of those, like, I grew up in a beach town and this is my whole world. It's more like I would have probably three or four times a year, I would have a visit to the ocean. So I guess I'm writing about the sea the way that one would write about the moon. Like, it's sort of this idea that is a tangible thing, but also also an idea. But I also have the sense that this song is mainly about relationships. 
Yes. And I have a feeling relationships play a big role for Jessica Smucker. I mean, (laughs) I I guess when I asked you to share your songs of the soul, your songs, it's very clear to me that you didn't go right away to political songs. You didn't go to songs that were about mathematical formulas. Some of us were math majors, by the way. Mm. Some of us. My husband was. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, and so what do you think you're saying as I'm trying to get people ready to listen to the C, what would you say this song is telling us about relationships? Well, I wrote this song after I had at least one of my children and I did a, a period of just like kind of wondering and, and, but mostly being alone and being like thinking that I was always going to be alone. And that that's what I wanted. And then when I got together with my husband, everything happened very quickly and it felt right and natural and also strange. And this song was really coming from a place for me of realizing all of a sudden when you have people that you let into your life, then you have the inevitable loss of those people, whether it's a long time from now or sooner than later. But it was sort of thinking about how do I hold these people in my life knowing that there's loss as an implicit part of that relationship? And how do I hold that and be okay just walking through my life and holding on to the moments I have with them? So that's really what this song is rooted in, you know, thinking about the impermanence of relationships and yet the way that they have a permanent impact on who we are. And that's a really good introduction to the C. It's by... Jessica Smucker here today for Song of the Soul. Well, I keep 
The Sea is from Jessica Smucker's most recent album, Lucid Stories, Tentative Lies. And that name is very evocative for me, by the way, Jessica. But The Sea. And you said going into that, Jessica, that you had were alone, You that you got into the relationship with your husband and the father of your two children very suddenly. Is that the riptide you're referring to in that song or is that a different thing? No, that's an interesting question. At least it's not intentionally so, but sometimes I discover things in my songs that I didn't know I put there. But no, I mean, I think of the riptide in the song as, I I think of that as something like catastrophic, but it could be, it could be something good that also threatens to overwhelm you and drown you and pull you under. <laughs> um. <laughs> well, and that you just have to go with it is the prescription that you're giving in the song. Well, I do want to keep going with your music. We've got a lot to get in and I have a feeling we could talk quite a bit. So what would you like to share next for your song of the soul? Let's do when I was the weather. When I was the weather, I, being the empath you are, maybe this song makes more sense to me. What does it mean to you? This one is very specific. And as soon as you know it, you'll get it. <laughs> I wrote this song when I was pregnant with my second son. And I was lying in bed with my husband one night. And we were just talking about the different stages of the pregnancy. We always talk about what's the baby doing now? And then one of us was like, well, I wonder what he thinks of us at this point in his existence. And my husband just sort of blurted out, well, we're probably like the weather. Like when you hear thunder in the distance and you sort of know what it is, but you also don't know what it is at all. And it's just these rumblings. And that was just such a profound moment for me. Like immediately I was just like, I'm writing a song about that. (laughs) And so as I thought about the song and we had a almost two-year-old at the time. And so I started thinking about the difference between carrying a child inside of you and then what happens when they come out. And there's so much more that you can control when they're inside of you and so much less that you know or know how to do or know how to handle or control when they're in the world. So being the weather is the metaphor for pregnancy, but it ended up being this reflection on the gradual loss of control that happens the further your child grows away from you. And also a lot of the everyday pain and dulling of that being a parent brings that there's wonderful moments of joy. And you rarely talk to a parent who's like, I wish I hadn't done that. Like That would be terrible. But many, many days, many parents wake up and they're like, why am I here and what am I doing? And so I wanted to address some of that with this song. And that's when I was the weather.
Jessica Smucker is here today for Song of the Soul. When I Was the Weather is one of the songs from Lucid Stories, Tentative Lies. And she's joining us from Lancaster, Pennsylvania, which is her hometown. When you were in Illinois, Western Illinois, I think, is DeKalb, right? Isn't no, it's Macomb. Oh, Northwestern Illinois is DeKalb. Got yes. it. Yeah. Yes. Living in Wisconsin, as I do, I have traveled down to some of these places. Sorry. Right. So that song, When I Was the Weather, a whole wonderful view about what it looks like from the inside during pregnancy. <laughs> so, so cool that way. I wanted to explore a little bit of your background that got you to the Jessica Smucker we know today. First of all, your antecedents were Amish and then Mennonite. And so you grew up Mennonite in Lancaster because I'm Quaker and Mennonites and the Church of the Brethren are the other two historic peace churches. I figure we've got an important connection there. Yes. Your songs tend to be mostly about relationships, mm-hmm. but in fact, social activism is part of your heart too. So could you explain where that all fits in the big picture for you? Yeah. And I'm glad you brought that up. It's interesting because I am very politically involved. Mennonites obviously have a lot of different factions and they range politically and social conservative to liberal and all that. I grew up in a relatively conservative Mennonite area in a medium conservative church. We never had to wear different clothing or anything like that, but theologically they were a little bit more conservative. But I had pretty progressive parents. My dad was a bit of an activist near the end of the Vietnam War. He was a little bit young to be involved. Like at the, I think he graduated from high school in 1971. But around that time, he was an activist for a short period of time. And Mennonites, our primary principle that we're sort of known for is being nonviolent. Some Mennonites are kind of passive with nonviolence, just kind of stay out of the world, stay out of everything and have their own insular community. And then some Mennonites do active peacemaking. And we had some of those around Lancaster where we grew up. My brother and I always sought out that path of being active in our communities, active peacemakers. And that's meant a lot of different things. So my younger brother, basically while he was in high school, became an activist and organizer and has continued to do that. He's in his mid-40s and is a fairly well-known thinker in movement circles in progressive politics. And I always had this sort of conflict internally because I was very politically, socially, all of that aligned with what he was doing. And then the question was, why am I not doing that? Because if you believe something, you should just be out there fighting for it, right? And then there's this other part of me, and maybe it's like, I'm a middle child and I'm a natural mediator. And I always felt like if I went out there and just really threw everything out the way that my brother did, I would alienate people. I would lose opportunities in relationships. And so this is a a, sort of a testament to how deeply I think about relationships all the time. I've always been able to get along with a lot of different types of people. It's never been a problem for me to be in relationship with somebody that I profoundly disagree with. I've always been able to sit down and have a conversation with those people. And I've more recently kind of found my way into being politically active, but in a behind the scenes kind of way. I do administrative work for a progressive veterans organization. 
but I never wanted to be on the front lines. That's been kind of like a lifelong conflict for me. And I think it's the same when I'm writing, especially when I'm writing something as intimate as a song. I've tried to write explicitly political songs and they just sound dumb to me. <laughs> I love other people's political songs. I listen to, I listen to Phil Oaks and I love it, but it's never felt like me to do that. I also think that the private ways that people interact with each other have an impact on the greater reality in the world. And I've always felt like the difference that I can make is in those person-to-person -person small ways. You know, at first when I started writing songs, I was aware that I was writing about things that happened to me in a very everyday kind of way. And I wasn't sure that people would be interested in them. It's just like, well, this is just my little thing. And I've been amazed at how often I have people come up to me after a show and just be like, that song that I think of as being like really intimate from my personal life, that song really made me cry or like opened up my mind to something or just felt familiar. I felt consoled. And sometimes I still feel like, well, maybe I should be writing about bigger picture things and making that kind of impact. But I think that it's really easy to underestimate the impact of writing that just touches somebody person to person. On your website, you've written or someone wrote for you, Jessica believes that the best way to change the world is to channel our pain into connection. Is that what you were just saying? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I wrote that. I really believe that if people can just look at each other and sit down with each other, that there is more common ground that we can find than we often realize. I think it can be very powerful to do that. Well, then I think it's time to share another song. What would you like to do? Let's go back in time to Dear John Letter to Jesus. Oh, wow. Okay. Get into some of the religious background stuff. And people should know that your first major in college was religion, religious studies at Goshen. And then later on in 2000, 2003, that's when you had your English and creative writing. That's, that's when you went to a different thing. So in terms of your life, where does this song fit between after those majors? I mean, I, I'm kind of assuming it's written after both of those degrees, but it's talking about some of the transition there. Yes. I think it was written about 15 years ago. A different version of it appeared on an earlier album called This Broken Moment. When I first started writing songs, almost all of my songs were dealing with religion in some way, whether subversive or irreverent. It was kind of trying to process what I thought about all of it. <laughs> When the song was written, that part of my life was not over. I mean, it's it still isn't. I'm still trying to figure out exactly. I think you asked me before we started, do I consider myself a Mennonite? And the answer is yes. In some ways, Mennonitism is a little bit like Judaism that way. I think like if you're born a Jew, you're always a Jew. I feel a little bit like that about Mennonite identity. I don't think I'd ever be able to say I'm not a Mennonite. And I do go to a Mennonite church now. But I've learned over the years to be very selective about which parts I let in and which parts I let go. And what was really confusing for me in my late teens and early 20s, and has continued to sort of haunt the rest of my religious life, is that there were so many principles about Mennonite faith that I really identified with, and I still pull from the sense of community, taking care of not just our own, but of our neighbors, nonviolence and peacemaking. 
all of those things. But then I saw in my church and in my community a lot of unchecked injustices. My mom had been married before she was with my dad in a, in a really horrible situation and continued to be sort of held at a distance by every Mennonite church we went to for 30 years after this had happened. She and my dad were still being punished for her having been previously married, stuff like that. And I would see it as a kid. I would see the impact it had on my mom. Now I can look at that and be like, well, I liked a lot of the principles of our church, but I saw all the broken relationships that were inside of it and that nobody was seeking healing. They were seeking punishment instead of healing. And so at some point, maybe when I was in college, I was just like, you know, I'm just going to set all this aside. I'm not renouncing it, but I'm not letting it in. I'm just going to put it over here for a while and live my life and see what feels right. And I think then I did that, and then that became what my spiritual life was. It's like everything I used to believe in is over here, and I don't know which parts of it to let in. It's just on this parallel track with me. And that's really where this song came from. It was like, obviously, the Jesus that I'm writing to is some version of the, the Jesus that I was taught, but also kind of trying to get to the bottom of, okay, you know what, Jesus, it's not about you. It's about all these other people. It's about all this other stuff that's happening that's clouding my ability to even see, do I believe in you? I don't know, because all this other stuff is in the way. So that's what the song was trying to get to. So we're going to listen to Jessica Smucker's Dear John Letter to Jesus.
today for Song of the Soul, we have Jessica Smucker here. Her website is jessicasmucker.com. Any problem with spelling that, come via northernspiritradio.org, because those are words you're going to be able to spell correctly. And that's important to me. Even though Jessica Smucker is a Scrabble genius, I am challenged in my spelling and writing. And so Northern Spirit Radio are words that everybody gets right. NordenSpiritRadio.org on the site. You have links to all of our guests of the last 16 years. You have a place where you can post comments. You find the stations where we're broadcast across the country. And you can make a donation. That's how this full-time work is supported. And speaking of those stations that we're connected to and broadcast on, it's so absolutely important to support community radio, to support local media, to support a voice for the people from the ground up instead of from the top down. Our media is so concentrated and controlled in this country, whether it's right or left, it doesn't matter. It's hierarchy down. Please support your local community radio stations and make a real difference that way. Again, Jessica Smucker's here that we just listened to Dear John, Letter to Jesus. And so my question for you is, how did Jesus take the news of the breakup? <laughs> I'm not sure yet. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think realistically, Jesus is probably the consistent one. No, I don't know. I guess it's been an off and on kind of thing, <laughs> to be honest. So a lot of people are going to want to hear much more of your music. And so let's go on to another song. Well, I thought maybe we could just go right to Beautiful Sin, since we're kind of on this subject. <laughs> and which is the beautiful sin, the sex? Or is it hang out in bars? I'm, I'm assuming that's not a Mennonite thing. So I was going to say, as part of the last question, I don't really know what I believe about, you know, the afterlife. But I do believe in sin, but I don't believe in it as a list of like, these are the things that are sins and these are the things that aren't. I like, and I think maybe somewhere in the Bible, there's some kind of reference to the idea that sin is whatever points you in the direction away from God or away from, even if I don't believe in God, I still believe in sin because it's actions that take you away from your true self. I've heard uh, from Jewish persons saying that the word that we call sin, that it actually refers to missing the mark, that you're aimed at God, but you miss the mark. And, that's, and since my name is Mark, I, that makes sense to me, too. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. I love that. And I've noticed, and this was you know, partly from that experience of seeing what my mom went through for having been divorced, Mennonites, and probably people in most Christian denominations, I'm guessing, are weirdly preoccupied with the sexual sins. And also, just as a community and as a culture, don't know how to talk about sex. And so what happens is there's stigmatization that goes along with any of the unspeakable sins. And they're unspeakable because people are uncomfortable with, I mean, if I really try to dig in here, I think that spirituality and sexuality are very intricately interwoven and people are really deeply uncomfortable with the sexual part of that. It becomes a huge source of pain in churches the ways that we just sort of avoid knowing that, really avoid acknowledging sex and sexuality as a beautiful, complicated part of who we are, how we love, how we experience ourselves, and how we experience God. 
this song, Beautiful Sin, I mean, I think when I wrote it, it was probably a pretty shallow undertaking. It was just kind of like, I'm going to write this badass song about a one night stand. Just the idea of it. And this is one of those songs that over the years since I wrote it, it has revealed deeper layers of meaning to me. What started as, I think, wanting to write something provocative combined with a weird level of biblical knowledge. <laughs> like the reference to Bathsheba in there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which may, some people maybe don't know, you know, woman bathing on a roof, right? They right. were the king, King David. Yeah. But this song has become more meaningful to me over time because I think it really, if I was going to explain now or inject the meaning that was probably there that I wasn't even that aware of when I wrote it, it's that I wanted to write a song that it's not good or bad. It's not sin or not sin. And there doesn't even have to be reciprocity there, but there's power in connection. There's power in deep connections with friends that we've known for our whole lives there's power in connection with our partners and our mates and our children. There's also power in fleeting connections with people that we don't even know or don't even have the same intentions with. It's just a subject that I wanted to explore. And in retrospect, I feel like it really captures something important that I, I don't even know how to put extra words to, but I think it's all there in the song. And the song is Beautiful Sin, song by Jessica Smucker. Here's Beautiful Sin.
place where society bends us on a lion's feet. Pull me out of a muck and mess of all that I'm supposed to be. Tonight, I don't mind telling you so. But when we're through, you better pick up your humanity off the floor and go. A beautiful song called Beautiful Sin by Jessica Smucker, website jessicasmucker.com. Let's keep moving along for your song of the soul. Get all of the music in that we planned. And again, there will be bonus excerpts because you're too engaging. And even though you're you're no longer that young girl, you were passing out baloney samples. You're still very cute. And we will have the bonus excerpts of all of the fun and interesting things that we've talked about that don't fit in the broadcast on our website. What's next for song? So let's go to dinosaurs. Okay, Dinosaurs. I realize this is one of your most recently released singles. It's not on an album yet, although I understand next year, maybe it'll be on after the meteor. The chorus is great fun. By the way, the the energy of the chorus strikes me as the kind of energy that ABBA used to bring to their songs. I don't know if you... My producer will be interested to hear that because we were kind of going for a Fleetwood Mac kind of thing. Oh, okay. Layered uh, harmonies. But yeah, interesting. I think it's ABBA, not Fleetwood Mac. I could hear a Fleetwood Mac through some of your songs, but this one, that's ABBA. (laughs) (laughs) This was my pandemic song and... My kids aren't that into dinosaurs, but they're enough into dinosaurs that like the idea for the song probably wouldn't have occurred to me if I wasn't parenting them at this point in their lives. But we have spent quite a bit of time looking through dinosaur books and thinking about all the different scenarios that dinosaurs went through. And the one that kind of popped into my head once the pandemic started was, did all the dinosaurs die right away when the meteor hit? Or was it like a long process? And then I was thinking about the sensation, especially maybe April or May of last year, the sensation I kept feeling that, well, maybe the world already ended, but we're all just still here. And I was feeling really kind of haunted by that idea, but in a way that felt really motivating. And I wanted to talk about it and reflect on it because it's actually not really that different than just the idea of mortality generally whether it's the end of the world or like we're all going to die someday, it's very similar to the themes from the sea. You know, the idea that everything we're doing might end, will end, might end sooner than later. And what are our options with that? You know, we can obsess about it or we can just live our lives and be in our house and enjoy the people that we, that we love. And you're wearing a t-shirt that says grateful and gratitude is such a good place to start. I'm grateful that I cast my lot with you, right? That's one of the lines in song by Jessica Smucker called Dinosaurs. Here it is. I always thought the world would end with blood and bones. But here we are, hunkered down in our home. Me out. I've 
heart Everything I see is red Learning to live my life Without a future in my head I love you great song by Jessica Smucker called Dinosaurs. It is not on an album yet. Her most recent album back a few years is Lucid Stories, Tentative Lies. She released that last year, and there's been more singles since then amongst them. Dinosaurs, which you look for a coming release of something called After the Meteor. That's a wonderful upbeat song. I noticed a reference to you as I was researching, learning about you, that sometimes you produce dark pop songs. So I'm wondering if this is one of them because, you know, the dinosaurs dying and we're the life of the pandemic and well, everything's going, but at least I'm with you, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Is this an example of a dark pop song? Yes, very much. And I think that I've gotten more comfortable with doing these sort of upbeat arrangements of songs that deal with difficult material because I don't know, this one in particular, it felt really right. And it's dark, but also optimistic. 
in a limited sort of way. <laughs> Maybe big picture, pessimistic, small, insular picture. Hey, we've got each other. <laughs> well, it is a really fun, wonderful song. And like I said, the ABBA connection strikes for me. Though, you know, maybe just slight tweak of the arrangement. Maybe it would be Fleetwood Mac. You can go your own way. You know, <laughs> We've got time for just one more song. Let's put that one in and then have people come back to the website for to listen to the uncut version, including all the pieces that won't fit in the broadcast. So what's last? My newest moon. And your newest moon is probably the oldest recording that you're including today. Yes, the oldest yeah, recording. oldest recording, not the oldest song, right? You had said the other song had a, a previous version. So this is from back in 2014. Your newest moon. That's a, a strange phrase to me, but what's it mean to the world? This song really pulls a lot of things together for me. I always say I wrote it as my 35th birthday present to myself. <laughs> it's a turning point song. I mentioned that that sort of post-divorce decade of my life where I was sort of a little bit lost, but also like moving forward and doing all this stuff, and but mostly being alone. And I came off of a long stretch of touring pretty regularly. I had a magazine job that I was working at for two weeks a month. And then the other two weeks I would go on tour. I was exhausted and really enjoying touring and putting myself out there in that way, but also feeling like, okay, time to take stock. In some ways, I felt like I was investing in my music career, that I was moving forward in my life, but also in many other ways, it felt like I was just in this cycle of despair. <laughs> that was never going to lead anywhere. And, you know, starting to think about aging. And it was just kind of like, what am I doing? It's not terrible. I like my life, but also like, what does it mean? And what's interesting is that I, I wrote this song in January of 2012. And later that year is when I got together with my husband, who's actually somebody I went to high school with. And <laughs> very unexpected. But later that year, I got together with him. And then, you know, we were together for maybe six months before we got engaged. And then we got married and I got pregnant immediately. And my whole life just sort of like went on this different track than I was expecting. And it felt like not that writing the song manifested that, but it felt like there was something I wanted to manifest in writing this song. And it just, it feels like a song on the precipice of a different era of my life. And since we're going to end with this song, I, I just need to know, you weren't involved yet with the man who's now your husband. Did you originally call it My Newest Moon? Mm -hmm. Okay. There's a prescient part of you in there for sure. <laughs> well, yeah. And it, I mean, it was like, I was thinking about the new moon when it's just when the sky's dark, but also about new things beginning. And yeah, that prescience has been in many of my songs. I, I look back on them later and I was like, wow, I didn't know I was putting this in there or I didn't know that I was prophesying something or, or not prophesying. I do think of it as maybe manifesting something. Well, some wonderfulness to be manifested again by Jessica Smucker. Website, jessicasmucker.com. Thank you so much, Jessica. I'm really so glad that Lisa Gray connected us up. A big thank you to Lisa Gray. Thank you also to Andrew Jansen for production assistance on today's program. We go out with your final song. And thanks again so much for joining us. Thank you for having me.
We'll be back again next week for Song of the Soul. Here is My Newest Moon by Jessica Smucker. In the middle of night When my life is asleep The easiest questions are the ones I can't face Like who do you love? And what do you want? And what happens if you never decide? While it's still full I'm gonna kick this habit Of moving around Maybe I'll even settle down I'm doing my broken best but There's freedom and loneliness I never get close enough to care Ooh, I'm just like the moon Running in circles Never quite full I want to dance with you Just for a moment or two then You can go back to what you were Doing before you knew The arch of my shoulder blades My quickening steps The color I turn when I'm unsure Theme music for Song of the Soul is by Chris Williamson, and it is called Song of the Soul. Check out all things Song of the Soul on northernspiritradio.org, guests, links, stations, and a place for your feedback, suggestions, and support. Send your Songs of the Soul to me, Mark Helpsmeet, via the info on our website, and join us weekly for Song of the Soul.